Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. In this podcast, we travel Boris defeat to Blackburn Rovers. Boring news with Lee Carmel becoming Boris under 18 league coach. We look ahead to Coventry City and we answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast and this is our Borough Master Chatter. In a pod. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Board Podcast that gives you all of your Board Match Day chatter in a podcast. And this week, Borough suffered the first defeat in since November in a 1-0 defeat against Blackburn Rovers. Courtesy of a goal from Sam Gallagher, Borough currently 7th in the Championship table with 42 points, 2 points behind Huddersfield with a game in hand. Guys, it was a long, eventful night, and that's just on short lock us getting to Weewood Park. Um, <laughs> how are you feeling in three words? Dana, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going to throw a bit of a meme into the uh, into the ring here. I'm going to put my uh, Jeremy Clarkson hat on and say, oh, no. Anyway, because... <laughs> Borough's unbeaten run is over, of course. First defeat in two months. Last one was obviously, like you said, in November, 23rd of November against Preston. Um, but I have no qualms with it, to be honest. I have no major gripe. Um, they have the best home record in the championship to, to Blackburn. They've only lost twice at Ewood Park. So I think sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and say, fair play. Um, the more that I watch the game, or sorry, when I watch the game back, I've I started to give them a little bit more credit than, than what I did at full time. And... Um, yeah, I think the the only disappointment was the way that we the way that we lost it. The goal that we conceded came through a mistake. Um, but all in all, it's not the end of the world. So you're describing your, your feelings in a meme. Uh, and Tom, how how are you feeling in three words? Well, how I'm feeling in three words is so very tired just from <laughs> <laughs> that night at Awood and and getting back driving driving through that fog and and stuff. It was it pretty much summed up the entire game, didn't it? Yeah. Like the journey there, the journey back, and then that bad bit of luck causing their goal. Um, it w- probably wouldn't feel as tired, feel a bit more buoyed if uh, if if we'd have actually got a draw, a, a win from that. But yeah, it yeah. just seemed like everything that could go wrong last night did go wrong and it obviously carried over the the team as well. Yeah, so it, well, hey, well, I drove anyway, so I don't know why you're tired. Uh, you, you could have, uh, you could have, you could have slept in the car. The pair of years. Um but yeah, I think my three words. I think defeat was coming. Probably the, the three words I want to go, got to go for. I think the last couple of results we've got away with things, and I thought Blackburn did a job on us yesterday, and we'll come on to that now. Um, and, but Dana, how would you assess Bro's performance last night? Because you were saying there, you're giving Blackburn a little bit more credit than the, 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 they deserve, but how would you assess it? It was a very off-colour performance from Borough. And I think in the first 10 seconds, we lost the 50-50 and misplaced a pass. And that was before the the little ticker, the time ticker on Sky Sports had spawned. So that just shows how 
how early in the game it was. And I think that really set the tone for the, the theme of the game because we never really stopped doing that. We constantly lost the the, the duels. If I look on Y Scout at the duels win success rate, uh, Blackburn won 49% of their duels, Borough 44. And in the first half, Blackburn won 51% and Borough won 43. In the second half, 48% versus 44%. So it just it shows how maybe off off colour we were and I don't think it was a case of Borough just being a few yards off it they were about 10 yards off it to be honest we were quite slow and sluggish and um, yeah it was it was a very uncharacteristic performance from what we've been accustomed to uh, under Chris Wilder Why do you think that was then? Well, I think Blackburn got their their tactics spot on. They really restricted us. I think they pushed their midfield and their wing backs up quite high. And what that really made uh, is Borough uncomfortable when they were building the ball out from the back. John Buckley was pivotal to this. He was a centrepiece to this. It was always either with uh, Johnny Housen or blocking the pass to him from defenders. So what you saw with Borough is we were passing it along the... Uh, the three centre halves and the wing backs, but Howson wasn't really there to receive the ball because John Buckley was cutting off the the pass to him. So I think Blackburn did a very good job on us. They pressed when they needed to, but I mean, Tony Mowbray set them up as a counter-attacking team. They're not a team that's going to dominate possession. They were fine with allowing Borough the ball, but when they needed to press, they did. And I think they were more aggressive than us. They, would, they definitely had more intensity, more intent. Um, their mentality was better. And I think what summed it up in the first half for Borough in particular was that Sparrow and Connolly had the, the least amount of touches for Borough in the game with 15 and 14 respectively. So it was just a really poor performance from Borough. But having said that, I think we do need to give Rovers some credit. Tom, what would you add to that? How would you assess things on, on your perspective? Yeah, it, it, I think it just comes down to something Dana mentioned there, which was mentality, uh, looking at the two teams going into it. Blackburn looked like a team who just lost a hole last week and were eager to set things right. And I think Wilder sums it up best after the game where he, he said, we looked like we went into it thinking it was just going to be an easy game because one team was was flying into a, to all, all the, the tackles and winning them uh, and pressing with intent. And, and the other one just wasn't doing anything with the ball and not playing as we've be, become accustomed to, to us playing. Um, that said, I mean, it's probably our worst performance under under Wilder. I think the first, we all said at, the, um, at half-time, it's probably the most Neil Warnock half of football that we've seen in a long time. Because <laughs> yes. uh, we just seem to resort uh, to the channels at times. Um, but yeah, I, I think, like you said earlier, Johnny, it has been coming and hopefully it can be a bit of a wake-up call as well. The the results since Forest, I mean, Blackpool was up, obviously could have went either way. I thought both teams played well that game. Uh, and then you look at, at the games in Mansfield against Redden. We didn't particularly play well, but we got the, the result in both of them. Uh, I think performances just have been dropping off just a little bit. Um, so maybe that, that loss for Rovers will uh, get us uh, a bit more kind of perspective on, on where we are, uh, kind of head, uh, set heads right again, and, and hopefully we, we bounce back and show some uh, resilience against Coventry on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And just to add to both of your points there, I think about Blackburn as well, I think the main differences are appreciated mentality is one of them. And, and what you were saying there, Dana, really, I, I agree with as well. But I think they did the basics very, very well. I think the deep block and then us having most of the ball played into their hands, really, like you were saying there, Dana, about Blackburn being a counter-attacking team. They were, since Borough was so slow and the tempo was off, they were able to get in the shape. They were able to get in that low block, set up the traps that they needed to set up and make things difficult for Borough. And I think that's why we were passing the ball across the back line so much in that first half because every time we're looking to maybe use our outlet and Jones, that little trap would just come in and then you'd be like, those would be forced to come back again, force it long. And when you have the strikers like Sparrow and, and Connolly up front, who are quite small in, in stature, it's going to be a, a difficult afternoon, difficult evening for them, really. And, and for me, but when we did get it to feet, Spurra and Connolly were on top of each other. There was no outlet. The, the one touch off was always off and it wasn't coming across very well. And I think we just played it in the hands. And I think, to be honest, 
I thought Blackburn thoroughly deserved the victory, really. After I, when we were walking up the ground, I thought Blackburn aren't flashed. They haven't they haven't blew me away, but it was a prof- professional performance, and I think it was enough to probably to win the game in the end. But is it the end of the world? Absolutely not. I think it's one defeat in 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 ten. You know, seventh in the championship. You know, we're we're still scoring goals, we're creating chances, and we look good at times in that first fifteen minutes, second half. I thought we were excellent as well. But you know, we'll come on to that uh, in in a second. Um, but Tom, although it was a, a slow first half in particular, um, there was one big moment in the half, and that was Eden's challenge on Jones in the box. Should it have been a penalty? Well, I mean, on first glance. I mean, I say first glance, we were pretty much as far away from it as we possibly could <laughs> be from behind the goal. Like, I, I was obviously shouting for a penalty, as I think most people were. Uh, having watched the replay back, I, I think it's definitely a penalty. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how the referee or linesman haven't given it. Mm. Dana, you, you had a little smug, a bit of smug on your face, you think it was? I can't, I can't say I agree. I think... Obviously, it's it's one of those where it's in the category of you giving the decision, uh, giving the referee a decision to make. I mean, Eden comes over, uh, cu- cuts across uh, Jones, but Jones does have a habit of maybe going down a little bit too easily, and um, I th- no, not for me. I don't think that was. See, I thought it was Tom, so it's two one to us, um, <laughs> and uh, I, I think I think he's. Given the referee decision to make there, I think I think it was. I think he's clipped them at just just at the wrong time. But you know, it wasn't given. We went in at half time. It was nil nil. And I think if we were one nil up, I think we would have been very lucky to be one nil up. But it could have completely changed the game. And um, when that second half, Tom, I just alluded to a couple of minutes ago, but Borough looked really really good in that first fifteen minutes. The tempo was a bit better. It was a bit more crisp. We were creating more chances, getting in behind. What was the difference there? I think that's something we we have been finding under Wilder, and it's it's such a a refreshing change from earlier this season because we spoke about it all too often under Warnock, the slow starts, either at the start of the first half or like just coming out in the, the second half and not really looking bothered. And I don't think we we see the same thing under Wilder. I think whatever halftime team talk we had clearly did have an effect. We we came out and we we looked a little bit more fired up for it. The mentality had changed by that point. Um and then obviously the the turn point was around kind of midway through the uh the second half and, and they got that goal which I I think is just such bad luck. As I was saying, like coming out of the the ground yesterday, like it would have been an easier result to take if it was actually a well worked goal. But Considering it's like such bad bad luck from McNair absolutely air kicking it, it's uh, it just leaves a bad taste, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a couple of mistakes leading into that goal, and, and then uh, like Tom was saying there, it felt like a bit of a lucky goal to concede. But <laughs> what's your thoughts on it? Because you were saying about Sam Gallagher for majority of that the first half, saying how much you hated that and how bad he was, and then he went and scored. <laughs> so the, the football goals must. <laughs> <laughs> you had a shirt on saying I hate Sam Gallagher <laughs> I definitely did after he scored that uh, oh yeah well I know well I was waiting for you to like take the jacket off show that shirt and then get the the, the Anthony Dykesdale flag out and then start wearing that as well <laughs> oh yeah uh, not to the, be not to be but the goal Dana dissect it because a comedy of errors wasn't it yeah, I, I went back and looked at how we conceded the corner. Absolutely no problem with it. Jones is covering and he does well against uh, Eden. But then the, the first phase, I mean, you can see that the ball comes over to Joe Lumley from the corner and he shouts keeper. You can hear it. You can hear him shout keeper. And for whatever reason, Spry either doesn't hear him somehow or he just ignores him. And Spry heads it out. I'm still kind of at that moment thinking, OK, no problem. We could clear it. Um, Crooks heads it out and then Jones uh, hooks it kind of clear but I mean it wasn't a bad clearance it just came straight back in and then with with McNair um, I mean it was it was really unfortunate Um, I I was kind of at the time I was like really (laughs) I was like really we're gonna concede because of that it just felt so typical of of the day um obviously we were late to the game so it kind of felt like it was was just a comedy of errors as a night 
Um, and that pretty much epitomised it. We were just, it, it was just a really poor goal to concede in a poor game. And going back to your question to, about uh, to Tom about the second half, I don't think too much changed. I think the big thing that did change is that we worked it down that right-hand side a lot more, but we were still a little bit off it. We we were still misplacing key passes. We were still losing key duels. And um, I think what summed up the most is when I think it was Tav tried to feed through Connolly, who actually made a good run in behind, and then it just flicks off the back of his heel and <laughs> Blackburn regained possession. There was just so many moments in that game that epitomised it. The McNair air kick did, the one I just said did. So many passes went astray, did. It was, um, yeah, it was it was poor. The goal was poor. And as we've said, it's, it's really disappointing to concede um, that type of goal and to lose because of that type of goal. It was a good finish, though, I will say. It was a good finish from Sam Gallagher. No chance for Lumley at all, Tom? No chance? Uh, I don't think there was too much. Uh, you know, maybe if he was like a yard over towards it, he'd have got a hand to it, but it, it was just out of reach for him. I don't think there was much he could have done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll come to Chris Wilder in a second, but in terms of uh, in terms of Blackburn, I think that the, when they nullified us to, to, to some extent, I would have liked to see Bora be a bit more expansive yesterday and use the width a lot more. I think when you play against a side who are very compact, have a very strict shape, you've got to try and stretch them and appreciate. I don't think we did that yesterday. A lot of Bora's balls yesterday were in that half space where the majority of the bodies were. And I think that's why we, we probably weren't able to break them down as much as we wanted to. But one final thought before we move on to Chris Wilder, Dana. Is there anything else to add in terms of why Tony Mowbray's Blackburn were were able to nullify Bora completely? Um, but yeah, I think in the first half, Eden did a really good job up against Desire Jones. And and when you nullify Jones, you, you're nullifying a big, big threat for Bora. You see how um, prominent we are attacking down that right-hand side compared to the left. I mean, we had six attacks yesterday down that left-hand side, which uh, culminated into zero XG, um, whereas on the other side, it was it was much better than that. So I think Eden in the first half definitely forced Jones back, and that's why we didn't see him as much in the first half compared to the second. He had more touches in the second half than in the first. Um, so I think, obviously, they did their homework on Jones. And in fairness to them, especially in the first half, it worked. So, I mean, Tony Mowbray is uh, oh, he's getting a little bit annoying, isn't he, up against Bora? That was actually the first time that Chris Wilder's um, been beaten by a, a Tony Mowbray side in, in five games. So, yeah, um, annoying. Yeah, well, he's he's probably watched us the most out of anyone in the championship, given that if Blackburn aren't playing and we are, he's at the Riverside or he's watching Borough anyway. So it kind of makes sense for him to have that tactical edge on us at times because he's probably studying us. He's probably got Chris Wilder's tactics in, on his on his bedroom wall. Do you know what I mean? Up every <laughs> night saying they're gonna they're gonna have that rotate in centre half or something like that. But um, Chris Wilder himself, Tom, uh, he said he was very critical of Borough's uh, attitude during the game. He said, "I thought." Blackburn's was a much better attitude and they were way better than ours from minute one. Would you agree with that? Do you think Boris' attitude was a little bit off yesterday? Do you think he's been a bit too harsh? No, I think he's spot on. I think it comes back to what I was saying earlier, where I said, you know, they clearly wanted to put that whole result right uh, and get back on a run. And and we thought it was going to be an absolute walk in the park. Um, I, I think it's good that, and I, I think we've said it before, that we, we seem to have this, this culture growing in the in, in the club that uh, you know it, it needs to be as close to a perfect performance as as possible. Uh, you know it needs to be a winning mentality. Um, yeah, I, I think it just kind of comes down to that, and I, I don't think it was too harsh at all. There was I can't, I can't remember who it was on Twitter. I think it was Scott Wilson from Northern Echo saying um, you know that performance wasn't even that. Bad and you need to like if he kept, we went and saw some of the the other northeast teams like you'd see uh, a properly bad performance. I only partially agree with that just because I, I feel like if it was it was a bad performance, it could have easily been worse. Um, I didn't think Blackburn threatened too much, uh, so I think in one respect our defence did its job, but creatively we had nothing. Um, 
and I think it, it's worrying as well. Uh, just going off what Dana just said there about the uh, them nullifying uh, Jones and us having nothing down the left hand side. It's kind of giving me similar vibes to uh, that season under Pulis where Villa kind of figured out Triora in the playoffs and just like, okay, we'll stick four men around him. He can't do anything. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think it's it's just a bit worrying that all that were our players going to go down that right-hand side when when we're looking for anything creative as well. Mm. I'll, even with that, I would have... You, you could even have the option of maybe put... I know we said last podcast we'd rather have Tav Central, but that game yesterday, I thought we could have probably done with Tav, maybe pull out on that left-hand side and maybe bring a PR on and just having that other centre midfielder in there to maybe try and unlock something. But, um, Dana, we said at the top of the show, this type of result was definitely coming. Um, the Mansfield and the Renner performances, Telltale and signs, really, wasn't it? Was this result pretty much coming? Yeah, I mean, all good runs come to an end, don't they? And it was going to happen at some point. And this, I mean, this was a massive test for Borough, the toughest test so far under Chris Wilder. Um Blackburn, although their bubble was burst somewhat by Hull, they're still a very good team. And Tony Mowbray has them set up incredibly well. Um, and it, it probably was coming, yeah. Um, I don't want to say that our luck ran out because that kind of indicates that we were somewhat fortunate with our late winners, obviously three winners, three late winners on the bounce. But I don't think it was down to luck. I think it was down to our determination and what was put to, to Chris Wilder. Uh, the winning mentality and we earned that so I don't think it was luck but I think we did run into some misfortune shall we say um, yesterday misfortune and obviously a little bit of bad quality from ourselves so Tom doesn't really change your thoughts much about Boris playoff push then do you think it was just uh, one blip in the road yeah, and, and like I said earlier, I think it could be uh, just a bit of a, a wake-up call for us and, you know, uh, something to help with mentality. I, I, I had an analogy I was uh, talking to my friend about today. I was like, it, it reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, when uh, Anthony Joshua, just before he fought Ruiz, and he was mm-hmm. like, you just expected him to win every time he went in. And I'm sure he fought that as well. He probably thought, right, I'm just going to walk through through Ruiz and then got knocked out. And then I would go away and actually think about it and came back with a different you know, approach to it and different mentality, sorted himself out and won the title back. So I feel like that's kind of a good analogy for it, as long as we went on, on Coventry to kind of fit into that. Um, you know, as long as we can go away, look at it and think, right, yeah, we, we weren't professional in, in, in what we did there. We need to improve on Coventry then. You know that could be a good thing for for the rest of the season. Middlesbrough nil, Coventry seven. Um, <laughs> so, uh, let, let's let's move on to questions then for this week. Uh, so as always, if you send us your questions in on Twitter or on our email, theboroughbreakdown@hotmail.com, we'll answer them on the podcast. And the first one we've got this week is from Ben. He says, "Was it a case of Borough being poor or Blackburn being good?" Tom, trying to take that one. Bit of both, I think. Um, Bit of both. Yeah, I still want to kind of give Blackburn credit, even though I said earlier, like, they didn't seem that threatening going forward. They still did a, a professional job on us. I thought even, you know, when, when we had the ball at the back, they were they were pressing with intent and, and smart when they were doing it as well. Um, and ultimately probably caused, not errors, but I'm trying to think of the right word for it, just a little bit of nervousness that might have led to that goal. Yeah. Okay, fair. And then next question's from Nick. Um, he says, has Mogga shown every other team how to beat us? We didn't appear to have a plan B. Uh, Dana, do you want to take this one? Yeah, I think we did have a plan B, which was stick every striker under the sun up front. I mean, he went for five this time, which was a an improvement on the, on the four against Reading. I mean, I, I think, in fairness, Mowbray just seems to know how to beat us. And every time he comes up against us, he just has a plan that is executed so well. And it happened again yesterday. Um, I kind of agree what Tom said, though, about the threat of of Blackburn. There were a few crosses in the first half that just went straight out of play. Um, There actually wasn't that great. I think it was, I can't even remember what it was, but but it wasn't much better, let me put it that way. Um, But 
crucially, defensively, they were fantastic. I thought Lenahan did really well. Lenahan, Wharton and, and Van Heck were fantastic. Their midfield was really good. And Borough ultimately just didn't really have a, an answer to it, unfortunately. And talk about bounce, bounce back ability against Coventry. I really wanted to see that bounce back ability yesterday. And, and a lot has been said on this pod and a lot of praise has been given to Borough for our reaction to the goal, <clears throat> goals that we've conceded. Um, and I think we, we did see that yesterday, but we just weren't at it yesterday. We really were, we were just off colour, as I've mentioned before. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. And also just to just add to that as well, and also showing a team on how to beat us, different teams have different strength, strengths or weaknesses. It's not always as simple as that. And I think that, yeah, there is, that's probably maybe one way to beat Borough, but there'll probably be another 50 ways on where, how to beat Borough. But it's the same with every other team, isn't it? Um, but in terms of plan B, you just try and make plan A better. And if plan B, plan A doesn't get any better, then maybe just do the McLaren and just chuck all the strikers on and just see what, see what sticks. Um, the next question uh, is from the little fella uh, and Vinny and the both ask, do we need to be searching for a left wing back? You have both mentioned it early doors, so I feel like this answer is going to be quite easy. Tom, to borrow need a new left wing back? I think as a specialist position, yeah. Um, you know, I think it it might prove a bit of a short-sighted decision to to sign Neil Taylor full-time if we go out looking for a left wing back in January. Um, but I think it, it, even if it's in the summer, as a specialist position, yes, we, we do need one. Mm. Easy easy question, that one. Eh? Uh, for you, uh, next question, it's from Phil. He says, uh, why are we suddenly just throwing on loads of forwards when we are chasing the game? It's wild being watching our 2005-2006 UEFA Cup run. He's doing the McLaren. That's all it is. Sometimes it just works. Uh, but Dana, do you want to answer this one? Yeah, he must. He must be, wasn't he? I mean, it's just, it, it is a bit of a peculiar one because yesterday I thought mm. that we probably should have had some midfield reinforcements there. It was a difficult day for for the midfield as a whole, to be honest. I thought Housen was the pick of the, the the kind of bad bunch there. I thought he really struggled, and I kind of would have liked to have seen Crooks maybe play in Housen's position, and then you put a Piero on in Crooks's position, but it wasn't to be. Obviously, Wilder sees reason to put the strikers on, and and we did it against Reading, and it work didn't it but I think the difference between Reading and Blackburn is I mean obvious um better confidence for, for Blackburn Reading have the lesser quality they're on a terrible run they're playing players out of position depleted squad um fragile confidence it was always going to be it, it was probably always going to work um not to take any credit off Wilder for the move but it, it was probably had more chance of working against Reading than it did against Blackburn. And for Blackburn, they probably just saw it as a reason to stand up and be counted even further than they did throughout the whole of the game before that happened. So, yeah, um, it's an interesting tactic. It worked against Reading. It didn't work against Blackburn. Um, I would have liked to have seen something different in midfield. OK, um, I, I agree with you. And we'll keep with the midfield chat because Jack, Jake, Andy all ask, um, should Piero be brought on? feature more uh, than he currently does at the moment. Tom, do you want to take this one? Um, up until yesterday, I'd have said no, um, purely because it was a winning team. I don't think you change it. And I think most of that, well, all of the midfield three have been playing pretty solidly uh, in, in all the games run up to that. I think in a game like yesterday, um it, it could have been worth putting him in. Uh, like Dana just said there, it could have been worth dropping Crooks back, taking Howison off and putting Piero on just for a little bit more creativity there. Um, specifically thinking about his his comments after the game and, and what he said about mentality in, in the in, in the team, um, I can see players getting dropped ahead of Saturday. Now that it's not a winning team anymore, you know, I can see him bringing a couple of uh, different options in. I think one of them, uh, which we could see, uh, would be Balogun in for Connolly. But I wouldn't be surprised if if Piero's got more of a chance of having a look in now as well. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would like to see Piero come in uh, maybe for this game just to try and just to change things up, freshen things, try and prove the point that competitions uh, can, uh, is pretty much a golden ticket to try and get into this eleven. And I think that he needs to come in. I think. I think he does need games as well. I appreciate we have been linked with Jeff Hendrick today as well from Newcastle, which I don't even know what type of signing that would potentially be for us. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I would like to see Piero come in. Um, I think he offers a little bit more. I'd be interested to see what we would do if he, if he was to do that. Um, but next question, it's from Rob, and he says, who can replace Housen in the deep-lying midfield role? Dana, do you want to take this one? The obvious answer is McNair because it's happened before. The Mansfield game, McNair was playing in that position when uh, Housen was out with COVID. Um, you saw him move into that position as well. And it, it, it's probably a safe option because although McNair is playing in that left left side centre half role, if you put him in midfield, we've got options in we've got options down in defence to be able to kind of plug that gap. You know, you've got Solbamba there, Lee Peltier, then you've got Nathan Wood if need be as well. So McNair is obviously the the, the obvious candidate, but <clears throat> I'm kind of thinking, could we? maybe add a little bit more quality to that position as well. It's always been a position where I've looked at and I'm thinking, okay, maybe we could add a little bit more there, uh, particularly under Warner, because I think Howson was struggling a bit in that man-marking system. But now um, he obviously doesn't have to do that as much. He's got three defenders behind him that are, are not being pulled out of position, crucially. So we could potentially bring somebody else in, obviously with, isn't Housen's contract up soon, I think? It is. Um, Yeah, so it could potentially be something that we look at, but it it is interesting because I think McNair's fantastic in that centre-half position, but he does have potential as well to play that deep-line midfield role. Um, So maybe that's something to keep an eye on. You could have Dykesdale there as well. We've spoken about Dykesdale before, um, but I suppose... Do do you take him out of the position that he's doing so well in at the moment, being that overlapping, underlapping centre half? You probably don't. No, I, I don't. I don't think you can either. But I would love to see Anthony like stay on that um, deep line midfield role. I think that he'd be absolutely fantastic. He, I think he just die. He would just he would just break the game up so well and get Borough go on the reset and start to play again. But. You know, I'm not a manager. Um, but Tom, the next question, um, you said about it earlier, um, but about Balogun potentially coming in for, for Connolly Connolly, but Alfie says, who would you start? Um, who would who would be the starting striker? <coughs> oh my god, this question's bad, worded so badly. Um, who would you, who would your starting striker pair and be going forward? <laughs> Was it harsh to drop what more the last couple of or the last couple of games? Um who what, what would you do? Uh, I think it was kind of harsh, um, even though we, we've clearly, you know, spent money on loan fees and wages and stuff to bring in to, uh, you know, quality strikers on loan from the Premier League. Um, it, it seemed like we kind of had to to play them. Um, I, I'd be tempted to go back to Watmore and Spira. They actually seem to to link up well up front. Um, and you know something Dana was saying at the at the, the match last night was that Connolly and Sparad just don't have any chemistry. Uh, they don't know where where each other well where they both are. Um, there's no kind of interlinking between them. But we saw plenty of that between Watmore and Sparad. So I'd be tempted to go back to that. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see Balogun in on the left hand side and Sparad on the right. Um, just because yesterday when he came on, and I think against Redden as well, he did look bright. And I'd, I'd say he actually looked brighter yesterday. He looked very good with the ball at his face. Um, only mm-hmm. issue was he just kind of wanted to take everyone on. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd say he, he looked bright yesterday. So I'd say either him or what more um, in for the next game, partner in Spiral. Dan, anything to add on that one? Yeah, I think it is interesting that a lot of people seem to deem Spira undroppable. Um, I certainly don't think he is. Um, I thought he was poor yesterday. And there are times where Spira in games, you sometimes forget that he's there. And I don't know whether it's mostly on him or mostly on his teammates, because he does make some good runs. You see he makes good runs. But then I think sometimes he makes runs for the sake of it. And he's a bit of a conundrum, um, is Spira. And I kind of thought this even when he was scoring. Um, but I would, I think I would probably play Balogun. But then you think about the link-up between Spira and Watmore was good. I'm not surprised that Connolly came in because he's been here since, what was it, the second day of January, the second day of the window. Um, it might be harsh for me to say and for Tom to echo that there's no chemistry between Spira and Connolly because he's had two games. But I haven't seen any any promising signs, <laughs> not one promising sign between them in terms of their link-up play. Mm. Um 
180 minutes of football. So it's it's a little bit maybe that's one that we can kind of look back on with a bigger sample size but yeah um I'm not really keen on that at the moment from initial judgment but yeah I would probably play Balogun and and, and Spira because Balogun seems to have that clinical uh finish from what well from the under 23s anyway uh and then Spira is, is pretty decent with his link-up play so I think you've got to have a finisher and you've got to have a, a link-up striker and that and that that has potential to work what about Balogun and Watmore? I was thinking that, that as well. That, yeah, I was yeah. thinking that as well. It could work. But um, yeah. I, I kind of feel like Spira kind of has that starting spot. Mm, a starting spot. Nailed on that. next game. <laughs> guess, guess Trap doesn't play again for the rest of the season. Um, <laughs> not even a single minute. Um, but yeah, I think the, the, the strike force last night, I don't think that it worked at all, to be honest. Um, I it's kind of like putting ice cream on a pizza. It doesn't really work, does it? You like them both, but it doesn't work. Um, I mean, some people might like ice cream on a pizza, so who, who knows? Um, my dad. But, my dad likes yeah. that. Yeah, Dave might. Yeah, Dave might actually enjoy that. But it's kind of like pizza and ice cream. I just don't. I just didn't think it. Didn't think it worked together. They're both good, both nice, good things, but together, no. Nah. Um, I think. Yeah, I, I'm not really. I wasn't really particularly keen on Conley yesterday in that central role either, and I think he he looked a bit lost. I think it is the game, and there's a lot of reasons what we've said previously um, in over the last thirty minutes or so that can probably explain why that didn't really work. Maybe we have him on that left hand side, you know, where he's a bit more. He's got a bit more freedom. Um, but for me, I, I didn't. I didn't like him in that central position. Um, but for you know. It's only a small sample size, so you can you might you might need you might need a bit more games to 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 have a full decision on that. But for me, yeah, Balogun has to start. I think I, I, he seemed very very bright, really really good on the ball. Like I'm so so impressed with his ability. Um, and then after that, I think it's just it's either Sparrow or, or what more for me. Um, you could maybe put Joshy Corburn in there, but if you want to have a have a different plan B, but he is he is inspirational with the captain's armband. So <laughs> maybe that's why we maybe that's the reason we didn't score yesterday because Josh Corbin didn't get the captain's armband in like the 85th minute or something. Um hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
but but before we move on, um, move move in the pre- present place, we just want to remind you all that we're raising money for the Morton Urine Disease Association this season. Uh, we're currently at our target of two thousand pound dinner. Um, what does our target do? What what can we do if we hit our target of two thousand pounds? Well, I mean, the money can go towards um, funding an information pack for somebody recently diagnosed with a disease. Just a tenner um, goes towards funding that. Um, £85 can buy software to enable somebody to bank their own voice uh, before the the disease takes that away from them. Um, £230 can fund a year's care for someone with MND. And crucially as well, all of the money that we raised could go towards uh, funding research to find a cure for the disease so yeah massive thank you to everybody that has donated so far as johnny said we're almost at two thousand pounds uh raised we are running this until the end of the season so there's plenty of time to donate um and if you do want to donate head to www.justgiving.com forward slash the borough breakdown mnd and if we hit that two thousand or more, I will give away my signed Frank Wadu shirt. Um, it's all framed and lovely match worn. I'll even I'll give it away for that two thousand one. Um, but before we look at Borough news this week, um, it's time for praise and place. You know the the place we pick our player or management staff or whoever we want uh, and give them some praise. So, is there any mentions this week, um, Tom? Who's going to be in your praise and place? I feel like I'm a broken record most weeks now and I feel like this player's quickly becoming, uh, to me, what Tavis to, to Dana, but um, <laughs> Joel Lumley, again. Um, okay, I, I thought, interesting one. Okay. I thought he, he, he did well uh, yesterday. You know, I think he made a, a good save early on in the first half, um, which you know I, I haven't seen mentioned too much, but it was a good save down low. Um and again just kind of distribution. There are there are times admittedly um like on, on the lead up to the goal where um you know when he shouted keeper and obviously Sparrow didn't hear it or you know ignored it or whatever, maybe he just needs that that influence uh, to kind of come out and, and collect the ball a little bit more. But I didn't think he did a, a whole lot wrong yesterday. Um, I think he, he probably actually did more more good than than bad, really. I am seeing improvements in his game. Yeah, okay. No, I mean, it's, this could, that could have been a really controversial one. I feel like you've got to be, could we get pellets for that, Tom? You never know. Could we get no I agree with him. I agree yeah. with him, to be fair. I thought Lumley did, did pretty well. I mean... Sweeping as well. Um, he, he was sweeping the ball up quite well. Um, obviously, there's always going to be a bit of nervousness behind Joe Lumley because of maybe previous mistakes. But I think we have to give credit where credit's due. And I thought he was good yesterday. I do agree with Tom there. So are you going to go with Joe Lumley as well, Dana? No, I'm actually going to go with um, Balogun, actually. Ten okay. minutes on the pitch, four passes, one chance created. You can't go wrong with that, can you? And I think... He's he's got that. He just seems like a very good player technically, and I know it's only small cameo appearances that we've seen, but from those, I have been impressed with him, and I'm I'm eager to see more from him. But also, I think we have to put in the praise in place. You mentioned staff there, Johnny. I think we have to mention the borough medics. Um, obviously, there was a, a medical emergency in the crowd um, in the second half, and they were. They were there really quickly to to see to the to the Blackburn fan, and thankfully he's okay. So that's the the main thing there. So credit to the the fans, obviously for um for obviously letting people know that there was a problem, and then credit to the borough medics for being there uh, very quickly. Yeah, shout out to Tom Pritchard, Doctor Tom Pritchard. You know, saved two lives now at games, which is as well. Yeah, Chris Mosley as well in the, in the medical team. It was fantastic uh, to what they did and hopefully the, the, Blackburn, the Blackburn supporter gets well very soon. Um, and for my present place, I would probably go with Balogun or Isaiah Jones, really. Only, only creative sparks that we had throughout the game yesterday. Give us some really good chances when we needed to. And, you know, I think it's, it's very easy to say Isaiah Jones is in the present place every week for his performances <laughs> as of late. And... Uh, but yeah, Balogun really excites me. Really excites me. Um, I think he's a very, very technically gifted football for sure. Hopefully, if, if he does start, he starts getting the goals that will probably increase his value ever so much and and, and more. But I feel like he's a he's a good, good player. 
Um, but let's see what we do in the remaining few days of the transfer window. And we might add to that, who knows? Um, but let's look at news then, um, because other news uh, for this week, and it was only one bit um, that we had. And Borough announced Lee Catamwallis came back to the club and he's now the lead coach for the under 18s uh, following the promotion of Mark Tinkler to the under 23s, given that Graham Lee is now manager of Hartlepool United. Um, Guys, what's your thoughts on that one? Because it was a bit of a strange one, seeing a boy, another Borough player come back, and now he's going to be coaching once again. Uh, Tom, good appointment, thoughts, any opinion on it? Yeah, I mean, he's been with the club for for quite a while in the, the youth coach, and it just wasn't really announced. Um, I've believe I've got him on LinkedIn and I saw, I saw the uh, the job post of him, him going. What like a random person to have on LinkedIn. Oh, I've got all random. the footballers on LinkedIn. But, uh, Trying yeah, to get them on as guests. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I saw I saw the, the job announcement when, when he came back. Um, and, and like I say, it just wasn't really publicised. But um, yeah, he, he's clearly worked hard in the role that he's had and you know if they're promoting from within and and they think he's going to do a good job and obviously Mark Tank was moved up to the under 23s and they're promoted with from within there as well and it's probably a a, a good kind of culture you'd want to work in. Mm. Dana what's your thoughts on it and could you see this promotion from within keep going for the future? Potentially, yeah. I mean, my thoughts on Catmull being appointed is I actually think it's a good move. I saw a few comments of, you know, the typical jobs for for the boys, etc. But crucially, Lee Catmull knows how to get out of the academy. And I saw a few of the under-18s uh, repost it on on their Instagram stories. So obviously, they're happy with the move. And it must be a, a massive buzz for them to be coached by somebody that has followed or that's that's been in their position, that has... Mm obviously been in their their boots and as well as progressing through the academy and making it into the Middlesbrough first team he's forged a a, a long career at a decent level so I think it's a it's a good move obviously we'll soon see the under 18s have been doing well this season so um see if that continues and I'm I'm quite happy with that appointment yeah, very experienced as well in terms of his playing career. I think, what, 350 games um, for Borough, Wigan, Sunderland and, and Venlo as well. So, I think, yeah, absolutely. A lot of experience. Good to probably see him back. It'd be interesting to see what we do and what his future looks like at the club in the, in the coming years. Um, but, yeah, if the players are happy and he's good on the training ground, then absolutely you're all for it. And, of course, our tackling is going to go up by times 10 and our booking is going to go up by times 10. <laughs> Um, in our youth team games now, a bit of more regression. And, and the shots are going to get higher. Shots are going to get higher. And I think it's only right we, we hire uh, Grant Ledbetter to come in as well as the... Mm. Uh, and then it, they can re reignite their feud um, or become <laughs> friends. Um, maybe you become a tag team or something like that. Um, I, I play a room on a, on a wrestling night. But um, <laughs> let, let's let's uh, move on to Coventry then because Middlesbrough... I play in commentary at the Riverside um, on Saturday. The Sky Blue is a 10th in the championship uh, with 37 points for 25 games. Mark Robbins is doing an absolutely fantastic job uh, there on a shoestring budget. Um, guys, what's your thoughts on Coventry? Because this could be a really, really difficult game for Borough, couldn't it, Dana? It could, yeah. I mean, I was really impressed with them when we went to the recall. I thought their movement really caused us so many problems. Um, I like Fankati Dalbo on that right-hand side, Callum O'Hare as well. It's actually being dropped for the game against uh, Stoke, which is happening right now, um, or rotated, shall we say. So that's interesting. I did see a few of their fans were giving them a little bit of criticism, um, I guess for maybe final final ball end product that sort of thing, but a player with quality on his day. Um, and they had so many runners at the record. They had Jokeresh, Waghorn, him, uh, Alan O'Hare. I was really impressed with with Jamie Allen actually when when we went there. Um, they set up in a in a three four one two that game, but they've switched to a three four two one with two attacking midfielders supplying Jokeresh, uh, who's gone a little bit off the boil, but still um, he's shown that he can be a threat. Um, in terms of statistics, they are frequent shooters. They average 4.9 shots on target per match, which ranks third in the league behind QPR and Fulham. Um, they are a possession-based side, averaging 53.7% uh, possession so far this season, which is the sixth uh, in the league. And they will try to pressure uh, sixth for possession one in the final third. Uh, they are unbeaten uh, in the last five away games, uh, 
but the last Coventry win on Teesside came in 1993 at Ayrson Park. Uh, they haven't won at the Riverside in 11 attempts. So Coventry win. Well done, yeah, <laughs> for your victory. Middlesbrough nil, Coventry seven. Um, Tom, now that Dan is uh, walking the football. First Saturday God, is back, everyone. Uh, uh, you've brought back the football and gods. This, this, this is why we've got Coventry fans and away, away fans to come on at the podcast, but appreciate the turnovers a bit too short this week to do it. But uh, dear me, Dan, dear me. Uh, Tom, any more to add? Yeah, I mean, just just looking at their their recent form, I think they've only actually won one in five. Um, you know, the the last game uh, lost two one to QBR, uh, beat Peterborough four one away on the fifteenth of Jan. Um, uh, I mean, it was it was one in five in the league because they have beat Derby uh, one 0 in the FA Cup, but before then, home loss one 0 to Millwall, one one to Hudders. Uh, away at Huddersfield and a 2-1 loss at home at West Brom. So I was quite surprised to see them in 10th, but it does seem like they've fallen away a little bit uh, recently. I think it's going to be a tough test for us on, on Saturday. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, it's going to be a, a test of character and test of mentality. So we're going to need to see that uh, bounce back ability on, on Saturday. Absolutely. So what's your predictions then for Saturday's game against Mark Robinson, Sky Blues? At the Riverside, what are you going to go for, Tom? I'm going to go 1-0, Borough. 1-0 to the Butter. Um, Dana, what are you going to go for? I'm going to go 2-0, Borough. 2-0, Borough. I'm going to go 7-0, Coventry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm going to go with... Ah, I think I think we'll get the W. I think I think we'll win. I think we'll win one nil, Tom. One or two nil. Um, I can't. Can we? Can I have a one point five just to be in the middle? Um, <laughs> over one point five goals. <laughs> over one point five goals. Yeah, for over one point five goals, and I'm going to go with Crooks to get carded. Um, so there we go. Please that, bet that. responsibly. Please bet responsibly. Yes. Um, um, but that's it, guys. Thank you very much for uh, for joining me as always, and thank you very much for the listeners for listening. Um, and that's it. Boratis defeat for the first time since November. The first defeat in 10. Wilder's win rate drops to 64% and we're in seventh place on the championship table. It's not the end of the world, is it? This is the Borough Breakdown podcast and that was all your match day chatter in a pod of the Borough Breakdown. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.